Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Wyoming. I'm Mark Hamilton, your host, and today we'll of course be looking at Wyoming weather. We'll be taking a look at Wyoming sports and get caught up on those cowboys and how they're doing. We'll also take a look at our Oliver Anthony moment as I get an opportunity to do a little venting and a little sharing. And finally, we'll talk about $30,000 of gold coins. Thanks for joining us today and hope you enjoy the show. Taking a look at warming weather here on the first part of October. Definitely, it is starting to change. We've got a forecast ahead here the week of the 10th, the 9th, I should say. Today is the 11th. We've got rain for a couple days, cooler temperatures, mountain forecast for some potential pretty good snowfalls. they got warnings up in the surrounding ranges around the Bighorn Mountains and, and everything around us here in Thermopolis. So we will be getting a little bit of winter weather. And I even did see some forecasts out in the Midwest. They could start seeing some storms coming through. So it looks like this October may be a little interesting with the weather. Uh, nicer days still there's a lot of people out there a lot of the farmers i should say are out there pulling sugar beets getting that beet harvest done so they would love to get these beets taken care of before this weather suddenly changes for them and they end up with a quagmire and end up with a real issue trying to finish up this harvest so we'll see what the weather does but right now it looks like two days of pretty good rainfall and that looks like with the weekend, it's going to start to clear up. I saw some low 60s next week, which is kind of what happens this time of year. We start getting these uh, cooler days. It might warm up a little bit, get a little bit of a storm, maybe warm up, and then gradually just slide off the edge. And no more warm days, just cold days with snow. So Wyoming weather here in the fall. We're still enjoying it. Taking a look at Wyoming sports here on the 11th day of October. Been out for a couple weeks, having to get caught up on Cowboy football. When we last left off, we were talking about Appalachia State, App State, which Cowboys won. They did have homecoming against New Mexico. They won that game. It was a kind of interesting game, but the Cowboys came out victorious. And then last week, they played Fresno State on Saturday night in the Falk game of the week, that night game. Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman making the call. They came out like ball of fire. They came out and got ahead in that first quarter, scored 23 points, 23 to 7 at half. Second half, different Cowboy team. Couldn't score, couldn't do anything offensively. The defense held on and ultimately won the game. It was rather interesting. The starting quarterback for Fresno State got hurt, so they put the relief guy in, his second teamer, and he actually drove him down the field and threw a Really nice pass for a touchdown. Cowboys ended up having to punt. Fresno State was going to turn around and head back up the field looking just kind of like that App State drive. And our defensive end had a tip. He knocked it up in the air. Ball. He actually caught the ball, the tip ball for the interception, and ran it back. And instead of just dropping to the ground, he continued to run. And always that worry somebody's going to strip the ball from him. But he went down and the Cowboys won it. So this week is a brutal game for the Cowboys after uh, these last two have been pretty tough games. And, you know, coming even out of uh, Texas game. So they've had some issues, pretty beat up right now. 
But they've got the Air Force Academy Saturday night down in Colorado Springs. And for any Cowboy fan, you know this is a rival game. I saw a coach's show where Coach Bowl was asked about that. And, you know, he talked about it is for Wyoming. Maybe not for the academies because they take on Navy and Army are probably two of their main rivals. But it's always a brutal game. The Air Force runs a option offense, a lot of crack blocking, a lot of blocking below the waist. And the Air Force Academy has always been accused of a little bit of some cheap blocks. And it's always pretty rough on those defensive linemen. They um, come out of that pretty well bruised up. And Air Force is undefeated. They actually look like they can pass the ball this year. So this is going to be a real test for the Cowboys. They've got to come out. Somehow they've got to figure out how to be consistent on their offensive end. Harrison Whaley, the new sensation, the transfer, he got injured late in the game um, against Fresno State, had to come out of the game. They've got him day-to-day, so we'll see where he is going into this uh, Air Force game. It would be a real blow for the Cowboys because he's always got that chance to break it and, and just that changes the look of the offense. But Cowboys, they have the ability, but now they just have to do it for four quarters. They can't be Jekyll and Hyde. They have issues, but in that second half, they just could not get anything done. So it'll be good. It'll be on TV. Cowboys have got to be getting some good uh, PR for all these games. Cowboys are, depending on which poll, they're just right outside the top 25. So the Cowboys will be in action against Air Force. Look forward to bringing the results next week. In high school sports here in the state of Wyoming, getting down to the end of the season, two more weeks left of the regular season. Teams are right now jockeying for playoff positions. It'll be interesting to see what happens. In 4A, it looks like Sheridan was kind of surprised. Star Valley did knock off Cody pretty convincingly, but I would say that could be a repeat of matchup in Laramie for the state championship. In 2A, I would have to go with Bighorn. 1A right now is this kind of wide open. I think there are three or four teams that could get into that. So it's looking pretty good. The football so far has been pretty good and had some exciting games. Volleyball the same. Volleyball is going to be coming here at the end of the month with their regionals. And then the following week, they'll have their state tournament in Casper. On the other note of football, I don't know if anybody else is, is tired of the NFL as I am. And I definitely will tell you, and I hate to admit this, but I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. And this whole fiasco with her and Travis Kelsey from the Chiefs, just getting tired. And all they want to show on any replay is, what is Taylor Swift doing during the football game? But again, the NFL definitely likes to, what I'd say, is looking at that dollar, they're going to do it. So NFL season continues. And our Josh Allen right now is at Three and two, the Bills have been kind of a little bit sporadic defense. They've had some injuries, but that's really the only team I'm really watching right now. I'm just not very frequently, but would be the Buffalo Bills because of Josh Allen. But that's life here in the United States with our NFL football. It's time for that um, Oliver Anthony moment. Talk about living in this new world with an old soul. A lot of things are on our plate right now, a lot of things are going on in this world that really make you think with the situation happening over in the Middle East between Hamas and Israel, 
with the attack. And when I heard that immediately about the attack of those people in Israel by Hamas and the people that were killed, it made me think about our country right now, what we're facing with an open border and a lot of people coming in. How many people are here in this country that are wanting to do something to us? And, you know, with the Middle East and with the Ukraine situation, everything is just on fire right now. There are just so many pots that are boiling, just ready to blow up. And again, as I brought back to our southern border, there's been millions of people that have come across, and they don't even know who's coming across. And a lot of these people are in our country right now. It's going to have an effect on us with our economy. I saw a post on Twitter. Somebody said, did you notice the difference from a year ago of the prices? And I had to respond from one month. I've seen prices increase, and we all have. And it's just getting to be a difficult time out there with all these things in our lives. You can't help but see what's going on. And then we've got a lot of stuff going on internally with some of the issues going on, like here in Wyoming at our University of Wyoming. Some people have some concerns. Other things that are going on in our state with the BLM making a land grab on some of the BLM land, trying to pull it out of use by the people here in the state of Wyoming. Definitely a time I see these numbers, the amount of people that are going to some type of a church. It's at an all-time low right now. And now is the time when it should be at an all-time high. Talks about in Revelations about, at this point, about looking up. And by looking up, we're looking up to God for guidance. We're looking to Him to with our prayers. And so we need to make sure that we are praying for our country. Need to pray for your family. Be prepared to defend your family. What's your plan of attack if something does happen? Do you have uh, options or do you know what you're going to do? You know, here in our state of Wyoming, we do have a lot of people that have a lot of firearms by our Second Amendment. And that was one of the issues they ran into in Israel. The people just didn't have any type of weaponry. And they said there's only less than 5% of the people that have a weapon. And it's really hard to get a weapon. And now they're going to let everyone have a weapon over there. They suddenly have changed their mind. It's a time to sit back and reflect. Maybe it's a time to go to that local church. There is a lot of church services available. I know online. I'm involved with also our local church, but also with a online with Life Church. Online, it's really easy to find. Just type Life Church. They have services throughout the week where you can come in anonymously and listen to the message and somebody to turn to in these troubled times in our world out there right now. So pray for our country. Pray for your family's protection and pray for your guidance in the difficult days ahead. Today in our history section, we want to look at a story about the Bird's Eye Stage Station Gold. And this comes from the Lost Mines and Buried Treasures of Old Wyoming by W.C. Jameson. During the Wyoming warmth of mid-August of 1888, a stagecoach pulled into Bird's Eye Stage Station located in Fremont County about 20 miles southwest of the current town of Thermopolis. The site, now long abandoned and fallen into ruins, is located on the present-day Wind River Indian Reservation. In addition to the driver and the guard, the coach carried two passengers, luggage, some mail, and a metal strong box containing approximately $30,000 in gold coins. Expecting a greeting from the station master, 
The driver and guard were surprised to see two strangers emerging from the station house wearing masks and pointing revolvers at them. At the same time, two more masked men, each on horseback, suddenly appeared at the rear of the coach, also brandishing guns. One of the men on foot ordered the driver and guard off the stage while the other invited the passengers to step out of the coach. Within minutes, the heavy, locked strong box was thrown from the top of the stage where it had been stored. As the driver was held at gunpoint, he inquired about the station master and was informed his friend was tied up inside and unharmed. The coach's passengers watched as one of the outlaws hammered on the lock of the strong box with an iron bar and a frugal attempt to break it open. After ten minutes of trying to break the lock with no success, one of the outlaws on the horseback gave a whistle and pointed back towards the northeast. In the distance, two men were spotted riding towards the stage station. Believing the newcomers to be lawmen, one of the outlaws tied one end of the rope around a handle on the strong box and dallied the other around his saddle horn. A moment later, the four men were riding into the brush and trees to the west, dragging the heavy box behind them. The two newcomers rode up on the station as the driver was untying the station master. The driver recognized them as area ranchers, and they explained they were stopping by to visit their friend and share some coffee. The guard informed them that the coach had just been robbed and encouraged the two ranchers to go in pursuit of the outlaws. The ranchers, men in their 60s, confessed they were not prepared to go chasing after stagecoach robbers and offered instead to ride to Andersonville, the predecessor of Thermopolis, to inform a deputy. Another hour passed while fresh horses were hooked up to the coach and passengers refreshed themselves and had a short meal. Finally, the stage continued on towards Lander. It was late the following afternoon when the deputy arrived at the state station. After interviewing the station master, the lawman promised he would do his best to track down the robbers, then mounted up and returned to town. As a result of pressing duties and inability to raise a posse, the outlaws were never pursued and the robbery was never solved. Twenty-three years later, a San Quentin prison inmate lay dying in the facility's infirmary. Though his name has been lost to history, it is known that he had been in prison for 22 years for his role in a stagecoach holdup in Arizona. While serving his time, he was known as a hard worker and got along with the prisoners and guards alike. For weeks, as the inmate grew weaker from the ravages of consumption, he was visited by the many friends from his cell block that he had made over the years. Some of the prison guards even stopped by from time to time to look in on him, in particular one named Jones, who was in charge of the section where the prisoner was housed. On one occasion, the warden even came by to visit with the dying man and sat with him for more than an hour, talking about a variety of topics. Late one evening, when Jones signed off from guard duty at the end of his shift, he stopped by the infirmary to see his friend. While the doctor was busy with his duties in another part of the building, Jones pulled a small flask from his coat pocket and gave the prisoner a sip of whiskey. On this night, the prisoner beckoned Jones to sit closer to the bed and told him an amazing story. Twenty-three years earlier, said the inmate, he and three companions robbed a stagecoach at Bird's Eye Stage Station in Wyoming and escaped with a strongbox filled with $30,000 in gold coins. He said that they tried to bust into the container so they could retrieve the gold and distribute it into their saddlebags, but were unable to break the lock. As they were attempting to open the docks, outlaws heard riders approaching. Fearing they might be lawmen, they tied a rope to the strongbox, mounted their horses, and rode away into cover, dragging a container behind them. 
They had traveled approximately 200 yards when it became apparent they would have to abandon the strong box, which was slowing them down. The riders pulled the box and dragged it into the dense brush, retrieved the rope, and together they rode off. The prisoner said they could see the stagecoach station from the place where they left the box. Later that night, while camped several miles away, the outlaws agreed to let the situation cool down for a time before returning for the money. Several months later, and before a planned return to Birdseye Stage Station to retrieve the stolen gold, four men decided to rob another coach. This time, they met resistance in the form of a guard who was not intimidated by the outlaws. As he opened fire with his shotgun, two of the passengers pulled their own revolvers emptied them into the fleeing outlaws. By the time the smoke cleared, three of the would-be robbers were dead, and the fourth was on the ground in pain from a wound in his leg. He was arrested, tried, and convicted, and subsequently sentenced to a long term in San Quentin Prison in California. Law enforcement authorities never connected the outlaw with the robbery nearly a year earlier at the Bird's Eye State Station in Wyoming, and for years he kept his involvement a secret. Two days after his last visit with Jones, the prisoner died and was buried in a nearby prison cemetery. The guard never told anyone what he had learned from the prisoner, and several weeks later he wrote the tall tale down in a notebook, recreating it to the best he could remember. At the first opportunity, he decided he was going to travel to Wyoming to try to find the strong box containing $30,000 in gold coins. Months later, the guard took some time off from his job took a train to Wyoming, and rented a horse. He inquired into the whereabouts of the Birdseye stage station, but was informed that it had gone out of business years earlier, and only a few old men in town remembered it. From one of the old-timers, the guard received some vague directions. Though he searched for the old stagecoach station for several days, Jones was never able to locate it. Discouraged, he returned to his home in California, placed his notebook in a drawer, and returned to his job. When Jones died 13 years later, the notebook contained the description of the robbery and the approximate location of the lost gold-filled strongbox fell into the hands of his only son. Intrigued by the notion of finding the loot, the son began making plans to travel to Wyoming. During the summer of 1924, the younger Jones arrived at Thermopolis. Within a few days, he found the remains of the old stage station. On the second day of his search, however, he fell and broke a leg. With great difficulty, he managed to return to Thermopolis, where he was treated by a physician, who set the bad break and confined him to bed for three weeks. By the time he was able to travel, the younger Jones opted to abandon his quest for the gold for the time being and return home to California. Before leaving, he gave his father's notebook to the physician. It is not known where the physician ever read the notebook, but in 1955, one of his children, now a grown man with a family of his own, encountered it. Fascinated with the story of Birdseye State Station robbery, he decided to make an attempt to find the gold. From his home in Casper, the man departed for Thermopolis early one morning, driving his vehicle along State Highway 2026 and reaching an intersection at Shoshone. He was struck by another car and killed instantly. The notebook was never found. Among the handful of people who are familiar with the tale of the Bird's Eye Stage Station robbery and the lost $30,000 in gold coins, a few are convinced the loot is cursed, and that whoever attempts to find it inevitably meets with failure or disaster. Whatever the case, it is agreed that the gold, now worth close to three-quarters of a million dollars, 
It is still contained in a metal strong box, still lying in the dense brush some 200 yards from the site of the old station. Kind of an interesting story. I had heard this story from my granddad when he was still alive many, many years ago. And from where I'm doing my podcast right now, it is about right over the hill is Bird's Eye Station, about 15, 20 miles over there. And today it's really hard to get to it because you have to go through private property to get through there. And access is very limited. But definitely something that you might want to ponder before you go to look for the loot out there, the $30,000 in gold coins, that, hey, it may be cursed and maybe not a good choice. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy our podcast. As for the Code of the West, we ride for the brand, and we ride for Wyoming. 